So Pastor was talking that we're entering into a time where people continue to talk about the economy. People start talking about, oh, oh, things are getting tough. And maybe you're starting to feel the pinch in your own household where you're wondering, God, what is going to happen in this nation? God, what is going to happen in this world? What's going to come out of the White House? What's going to come out of the local house? God, what are you going to do through the midst of all of this? What I've learned is, is that when I am a believer, that when I confess to the Lord and say, you are my Lord and Savior, the Bible tells me that I'm adopted as a son of the Lord. You're adopted as a daughter of the King, that I no longer am subject to the world's economy. Now I get to live in the kingdom's economy. Now I get to live in the provision and in the overflow of what God is able to do. So when anything happens in the natural, I don't have to accept that as my reality. All I have to do is look to my father and say, Dad, what are you doing? What is happening? And when you read through the word, there's so much, there's so many different scriptures that teach us what to do with our life. It teaches us what to do with our relationships. It teaches us what to do with our finances. It teaches us what to do with our mouth. It teaches us what to do with our thinking. It teaches us what to do with our bodies. I don't like those scriptures very much, okay? I try to stay away from those because it talks about, you know, being healthy, all right? I just like mac and cheese and double cheeseburgers too much, okay? And I try, I try to stray away. But, like, the Bible teaches us to be healthy in our body healthy in our soul, and thus God will start putting people around you to help you stay healthy. And instead of being offended when you hear a good teaching that leads you to health in your life, in your mind, in your body, in your relationships, in your finances, instead of running away from that wisdom, you should embrace that wisdom because that wisdom will set you free. Little did I know that when I was in Nashville over the summer, I would run into and I would meet a good friend who's in the house, Mike, who's sitting back there, who is all about getting physically healthy. I had to block him on Facebook for a minute because I was like, man, shut up. I just want to eat whatever I want to eat, right? But then you've got to embrace that type of thing. So to hold me accountable, even the other day, I texted him. I said, I'm in Lexington. He's like, that's awesome. And he texted me back. He said, what are you going to do tomorrow? And one of the first things I said, because I had to have a kind of, I said, man, I'm going to go to the gym, right? And he's like, that's right, man, you're going to go to the gym. And I was like, but you're not coming with me. (laughs) Just kidding. I love you. (laughs) I didn't want to die, you know, because he would get in there and he would work me, okay? God will put good people in your life. Little did I know what was going to happen in 2020. And I, I remember in 2019, I was, a part of a, I was a part of a group of guys in 2019 and 2018. And then God shifted that group. And then I was kind of out on an island. And that guy introduced me to Mark. And then Mark had a good conversation with me. And he said, hey, come join Come join me on this journey. Come join me on this journey of health, this journey of growing, this journey of becoming the best that you could be, this journey of using what's on the inside of you, your greatness that you have, okay? You might have heard Mark say that once or a thousand times, okay? The greatness, right? And, and, it, and it took me a moment on that conversation to embrace the wisdom that God was going to give me because when God gives you wisdom, it's uncomfortable, When God gives you wisdom, you don't always want to hear it. But if you embrace the wisdom of God, it will set you free. The Bible talks about wisdom in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. It says, get wisdom, get understanding. 
do not for do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Wisdom is protection. It's protection. In my life, wisdom has a name, and that name is Amber. <laughs> the mouthpiece of God for wisdom is my wife. And she says so many things that I do not want to hear. <laughs> and, and to double down on the wisdom and get my attention, my heavenly father decided that not only was he going to put my wife in my life, who I love so dearly, thank God for her, he then put my mother-in-law in my life who's with us today. I'm going to double down on the wisdom. I thought I knew everything, especially in the area of raising children. I thought I was perfect. Little did I know the woman who ran one of the largest uh, 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 children's uh, departments, nursery departments with hundreds of uh, young babies that would come through in one of the largest churches in the state of Florida for 17 years. Little did I know that I would get to be so close to her and get some wisdom on how to really train my children. <laughs> Little did I know that every time that I would try to help my child out, my wife would tell me there's a better way to do that. I said, is it your way or is it really a better way? No, it's a better way. Wisdom is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. But the Bible says it will protect you. So why would you ever run away from wisdom? Why would you do the opposite of wisdom? Oh, it says, love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Check this out. Get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have. Hmm. It'll cost you everything. Get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. The Bible says that when you get wisdom, it's going to cost you everything that you have. It will cost you time. It will cost you relationships. The Bible, the, when, when wisdom costs you everything, I think the one thing that it costs the most for us, the one thing that we feel the pinch in, is wisdom will cost you your opinion. Wisdom will cost you the way you believe. Wisdom will cost you the way you think. Wisdom will cost you always being right. I'm preaching to myself. Come on, somebody. Wisdom will cost you. But is it better to be right or is it better to be healthy? Is it better to be right or is it better to be whole? Is it better to be right or is it better to grow? Is it better to be right, or is it better to go to another level? Is it better to be right, or is it better to experience the power of God? Is it better to be right, or is it better to experience wealth in your relationships? Is it better to be right, or is it better to honor God? What, what's better, right? And many of us, our opinions are so strong, and I can speak to this because I am chief opinionated. <laughs> God sent wisdom in my life. <laughs> Just ask them, right? 
Is it better to hold on to those old, broken, busted beliefs? Or is it better to get wisdom and feel the pain for a moment in order to live a life more abundantly? What's better? Friend, hear me today. When you have wisdom, you will soon realize with that wisdom that you miss nothing at all. That God's word has a plan for every situation that you're in. Everything that you face and everything that you're going through, there's already a plan in place. God is not surprised by what you're facing. And his word gives us the instruction. And sometimes, I need to repeat, sometimes the instruction is a season of waiting, which can be very uncomfortable. But what do we do in a season of waiting? What do we do when everything that we're facing doesn't kind of, doesn't add up to what we wanted to face. I'm reminded in, in, uh, in Genesis chapter 26, it says this. Now, there was a famine in the land. I know you don't have the scripture, forgive me. There's a, there's a famine in the land. There was a famine in the land. Besides the earlier famine of Abraham's time, hmm. and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. I want you to stay in a land where there's famine. Hmm. I want you to stay. Live in the land where I tell you. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. Are you hearing this? Stay in the land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. There's a waiting season. God said, go to the land and stay in that land for a while. Some of us, we want to run from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. We want to move houses. We want to change jobs. We want to start new businesses. And we run and we run around. And sometimes you just need to be planted. And you need to wait. And we're always looking for the next best thing. When I planted my flag in Philadelphia with my family eight and a half years ago, initially I said, I'm going to be here for a year. And then I said, another year. And then I said, another year. And eventually I released that and I said, I am planting my flag here for a while. What does a while mean? It means until God tells me to pick up the flag and go somewhere else. I don't have an exit plan of getting out of the city of Philadelphia. As much as I, I love it, Lord. I, hear me say I love it, but let me tell your people, close yours. As much as I don't like it sometimes, <laughs> I have planted my flag in that city, and I've said, I'm staying here until God releases me from here to go somewhere else. There is a prospering that happens with you when you plant your flag somewhere, and you don't move, and you don't leave, and you don't go somewhere else, even when you don't like what you're hearing. A tree does not grow large, a large root system overnight. But the larger the root system grows, the stronger the tree is, and the more that tree prospers. 
And some of you have not stayed planted long enough to allow the root system of your life to grow so that then God can prosper you. And when the first storm comes your way, then it just blows you over. He says, go there and stay for a while. And when you stay for a while, not only will I bless you, but before that, he says, I'll be with you. Do you understand the biggest blessing that you can have is that God is with you? If he's with you, then you are already blessed. But he says, I will bless you above and beyond that. I'll bless you more than, more than just my presence. I'll give you a blessing. I mean, for real, friend, how much more of a blessing is there than his presence? But you understand that God sees every other area of your life and says, I, I'll bless that too. Point that, that, yeah, I can bless your relationships. Yeah, I can bless your body, yeah, I can bless your finances. Yeah, I can bless your soul. I can prosper you in your mind in every area. But your presence, God, is enough. Just you with me is enough. And he says, stay there. Stay there for a while, and I'll bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands, and through your offspring will all nations on earth be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements, my commands, my decrees, and my laws. So Isaac stayed. Verse seven. When the men of that place ask him about his wife, he said, she is my sister because he was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought the men of this place might kill, me, uh, uh, might kill me on account of Rebekah because she is beautiful. When Isaac had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. So Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, she is really your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Isaac answered him, because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. Then Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the men might well have slept with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech gave orders to all the people, anyone who molests this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Okay, watch this. Isaac lies which lying is a sin, right? But watch what happens in the next scripture because I know that Isaac, he's gotten right with God. Somewhere in between verse 11 and verse 12, there's, there's a reckoning between him and the Lord. Can I tell you that, that your past does not determine your future with God? Some of you have been held hostage by years of problems Years of bad decisions, and all you're thinking is, God can't take me from here and make me something greater. Honestly, God doesn't even want me. Well, God just says, come just as you are. Just because you've made a mistake in the past doesn't mean that God can't bless you in the future. If you just surrender to him and you give everything to him, watch this, he can bless you. So check this out. Verse 12, Isaac planted crops in that land, and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He didn't just become rich. He didn't just become wealthy. It says he became very wealthy. There's an emphasis on this. Hmm. 
He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistine, Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug uh, in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same names his father had given them. So here Isaac goes to a land that God tells him to go to, tells him to wait for a while, and he says, I'll be with you and I'll bless you. And in the middle of that time that he was there, he messes up. And he lies to the people and he lies to the king because he's afraid of what they will say. He's afraid of what they will do. He's afraid for his own life because for a moment he took his eyes off of the one who commanded him to do it and he started looking at everything else. And for us, we have to remember what is the promise that God gave us in our life and in our situation. And we have to remember no matter what we face, God has already told us what the promise is going to be. He's already told us what the blessing is going to be. And no matter what happens around us, his word shall come to pass. And God's word didn't, didn't stop just because Isaac made a mistake. Can I tell you that you cannot stop the word of the Lord because of something that you do? You cannot stop the healing that's coming your way because of something you do. You cannot stop the blessing of God because of something you do. If he said he was going to do it, that means he's going to do it. You may delay it, but you cannot deny it. You may stop it in this moment, and you may enter into a time of waiting longer than you wanted to, but you can't actually stop it from happening because when God says he'll do something, he'll actually do it. He tells us, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If God speaks something and it doesn't happen, then it makes him a liar. And God is no liar. So if he tells you it's going to happen, friend, all you have to do in your waiting season is continue to look at him and say, God, you were with me. You said you would bless me. So God, I'm going to stay right where I am and I'm going to wait until you make it happen. But if we, but some of us, we start running this way and that way. And then for some of us in this room, we'll make a commitment to the Lord, and then we'll back down from that commitment. We'll back down because we get afraid. We'll back down because it doesn't look the way that we want it to look. We'll back away and we'll say, you know, God, I know that your word said this, and I know that you spoke that. And I know that I committed this, that, and the other. But I'm looking at my circumstance, and I'm looking at my situation, and I'm putting it all together, and I'm doing the math, and I've got the puzzle pieces. And let me tell you something, Lord, in case you haven't noticed, the math doesn't add up. It looks like I'm missing some pieces over here, and it's the puzzle's not going to be put together. So you know what? I'm going to back down from my commitment because I don't see all of it. You understand that when he told Joseph, you're going to go to the palace, he never told him about prison. He never told him about the pit. He never told him about Potiphar's house. Because if God told you everything that you would walk through on the way from where you are to the palace, none of us would enter that race. None of us would take a step forward if we knew the hell that we would walk through in order to get to the promise of God. But there's some blessing in the walking. There's some blessing on the way. There's a, you know what the blessing is? It's learning. It's becoming better. 
It's understanding who God is. It's growing up in the faith, right? If God showed you everything that you were going to walk through, you would never, ever, ever start the journey. God shows you this grand vision and this grand dream. And he says, that's where I'm taking you. Walk. And little did you know that on the way there, you would be shipwrecked. Little did you know on the way there, you would be bitten by a snake. Little did you know on the way there, you would face heartache and pain. Little did you know on the way there that you would be overcome by a disease in a moment. Little did you know on the way there, you would experience death and hell and all the things. Little did you know that all of that would happen. But do you remember, if you look back, you would remember and you should remember the whole time he was with you. The whole time God was with you. He never left you. He never forsake you. He never walked away from you. And the whole time he blessed you, right? The whole time he took care of you. Ah, oh, here we go. Now I'm ready. Now I'm ready. Here we go. The whole time you had provision. Never did you lack a singular thing. Think about it. Go into the past and remember everything you've walked through that got you here, and you'll quickly remember that God never left your side. The moments that you wept quietly, the Lord was there. The moment that you lay there in pain, God was there with you. He never walked away from you because you have everything that you need. God will never take his provision from you. He'll never take his provision. You'll always have what you need. You'll always have what you need. You know, my son, I, I've learned this about God because, um, because he has been so good to give me jet and so good to give us banks. Again, there are many days where I question the word good, <laughs> but I know that he's good. When I tell a, when I tell a one and a half year old to sit down and eat and she looks back at me and doesn't miss a beat and says, no. <laughs> I question the goodness. <laughs> and I say, God, I know you're here. Lord, you need to restrain me. <laughs> you need to put a muzzle over my mouth. Lord, help me. When my almost four-year-old is running around the house, his name matches his energy. Jet is the Energizer Bunny. And that engine never stops going, baby. He will run laps up and down our house. Jet, stop running. And he runs. Jet, stop running. And he runs. Jet, stop running. And he runs. Jet! <laughs> I know you're not deaf, son. Has your child ever looked at you and said, sorry, I didn't hear you? Our neighbors four blocks away heard me, baby. <laughs> I know that you heard me. I've learned a lot being a father. One thing that I know is that my son will never be without provision. 
He will never, ever, ever not have what he needs. And when I say your heavenly father will never not let you have what you need, the provision will always be there. My son will always be fed. Somehow he will always be clothed. Somehow he will always have a place to lay his head. It may not look like the way he wants it to look or the way I want it to look, but he'll always have a place to lay his head. The roof that is over his head may not look like the roof I want to put over his head. Because I drove around, what is it, Keeneland Manor the other day? Is that the one with the golf course and all those big houses down the road? Yeah, I want it to look like that. But on a plane, I'll go home tomorrow and go back to my 1,215-square-foot row home, okay, in the city of Philadelphia. But it doesn't, doesn't have to look like the way I want it to look. The provision is still there. Get ready. But my blessing, which I want to give him and I will give him, my blessing comes with some instructions. You will always have your provision, but the extra, the above, the more, that comes with some instructions. You know, my son and my daughter, every night they're so, they're, they get a special treat or they're supposed to get special treat. And special treat comes with some instructions. And those instructions are as follows. Do what I say. <laughs> have you ever read the word? The instructions are all about do what I say. If you'll do what he says, then you'll get what he's promised. So I tell them, or my wife tells them, or my mother-in-law tells them, or somebody else will tell them that is their elder, that is their caregiver, that is over them, their authority, what to do. His teacher, when he goes to school, these are the instructions. And when you follow these instructions, then you'll get this blessing. But sometimes my son or my daughter, they will not follow the instruction. And when they do not follow the instruction, they do not get the blessing. Dinner is always on the table. Hear me. I need you to understand this. Dinner is always on the table. But special treat to be determined. Oh, it's on my table. But it just might not end up on their table. Because the blessing comes with instruction. And my son and my daughter will get so mad at the end of the night when special treat is taken away and they will throw a fit and they will yell and they will scream and they will convulse like some demonic force is in and I'm like no 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 in the name of Jesus have you ever seen a toddler throw themselves and flail on a ground my son is a professional he's like LeBron James playing defense <laughs> professional baby professional professional I've been practicing a little bit okay professional you know why that's so easy for me because when we don't follow the instruction of the father and we don't get the blessing that's how we act 
God, how dare you withhold that from me? How dare I not get the promotion? How dare I not grow? How dare my business not grow? How dare my relationship not get better? God, how dare I? And when we look back, we didn't actually follow the instruction. And you can pinpoint the moment in your life when you did not follow the instruction that would lead to the blessing. But here's the thing. My son always gets a second chance on the next day. My daughter always gets a second chance on the next day. God's mercies are new every single day. You always have a second chance with the Father. You always do. You never, you're never going to miss out. He's never just going to take it and withhold it and never give it to you. You just have to follow the instruction. God is a good steward. He would never give you more than you're willing to steward. Because if you did, then you would... If he did, then you would squander it. I say, son, the blessing of a special treat is found in the instruction. All you have to do is follow the instruction. And when you follow the instruction, you get the blessing. That's literally the conversation we have, yet we have it on a level that a three-year-old can understand. Let me have that conversation with you like you're a three-year-old, okay? Because some of us think we have our doctorate, but we act like we're in preschool. Okay, here's the thing. (laughs) Do what the word says. Do what God says. And then you get what God says you get to have. Hey, Jet, thanks. The reason you don't get the special treat is because mommy asked you to sit kindly at the table And stop banging your fork into the table. Do you see the 94 scratches across the table now? The ones that we're not able to fix. We have to buy a new table. That's because you didn't stop doing this. And not only did we tell you once, not only did we tell you twice, son, we told you 17 times. And somewhere along the way, you couldn't stop banging the fork on the table. And because of that, we had to take the blessing away. But not forever, for a moment. So guess what? Now you have to wait. Some of us in this room have delayed our own blessing by our disobedience. And some of us, like the Israelites, have been delaying it for 40 years. Decades of delayed blessing because of disobedience. Decades of being stuck in a place because of disobedience. Friend, I've got good news. God desires the promised land for you. It says here that all of your descendants and all nations will be blessed because of his faithfulness. But some of us haven't taken the time to follow instructions and receive that blessing. Huh. Deuteronomy 28, 13 says this, I will make you the head and not the tail. You are not the tail in here. You're the head. Ephesians 1, 5 says, we are adopted as children of God. We're adopted as children of God. So here's an instruction. Oh, yeah. I felt, I just, I rained today. Do I have somebody that'll come play keys and make it sound spiritual? You might beat the Baptist to the buffet today, okay? 
<laughs> Get ready. Here's the instruction for you when it comes to a famine, when it comes to an economic crisis, when it comes to a downturn in the area of your finances. Here are the instructions. Jesus gives the instructions. That's pretty powerful. It's not some man of faith or woman of faith. It, Jesus himself gives the instruction. It says this. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Yeah, this, this, is, this is talking about forgiveness. I, I get it, but the, the law of sowing and reaping applies to every area of your life. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. It'll be measured back to you. Well, that's the New Testament, and Jesus is speaking, but we could go to Proverbs book of wisdom. <laughs> I love how it all goes together. The book of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 9 says this, he who is generous will be blessed for he gives some of his food to the poor. Another scripture says that a generous person's world or life grows larger and larger. Your territory expands and expands. So if you give smiles, you get smiles. <laughs> See that? I give a smile. If you give faith, then you get faith. Did you notice that when your pastor walked up here and started putting faith in the atmosphere, what happened with you? All of a sudden, you started to believe, right? Huh. When you give kind words, you get kind words. Whatever you give, you get. But it'll be pressed down, shaken together. It'll be running over. Because God works in multiplication. He doesn't work in addition. He doesn't work in addition. God works in multiplication. So to the measure that you give, that same measure will be used to give back to you. We live in an environment of sowing and reaping. So we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 26, and it says that Isaac planted crops in that land, <coughs> and in the same year reaped a hundredfold. Because the Lord blessed him. 
He took the seed that he had and sowed the seed, and then that seed produced fruit. But a hundred times the fruit. Sorry, I'm just thinking about what I'm about to tell you, and then I'm thinking about what's going to happen after that, and it's going to be wild. (laughs) Just get ready. If you didn't listen for the last 25 minutes, pay attention. (laughs) I grew up in Florida, also known as heaven, (laughs) where the sun always shines, except between about 2 p.m. and 4 p.m., where hell unleashes (laughs) in the form of thousands of lightning bolts, roaring thunder, and pelting rain. But then the sky clears and the sun comes back out. It's heaven. I'm so thankful when I get to heaven, there will be no lightning, there will be no thunder, okay? There will be no drenching rain. But where where I grew up, Pastor, I, I grew up in a small I had two homes that I grew up in, but in the one home, they both were small, but little piece of land where the house was. Smaller than a piece of land where I'm staying right now. But in the backyard was a was an orange tree. Maybe it was a mandarin tree. It was a tree. And on that tree, fruit came off of that tree. And every year that fruit would become ripe, we would pick it. We would eat it, and it would taste good. Here's what I learned, because there's a lot of agricultural references in the Word, because that's the time they lived in, and I am in uh, horse country, and I understand there are lots of farms here with horses and other types of farms, so some of you are familiar. A lot of places I go in the nation, you know, that's gone. The Industrial Revolution and such, People don't understand farming terminology, but that was very uh, present to their context. Let me say this. Just because something is not uh, contextually the same doesn't mean the principle has changed. It just applies to something else. But the principle of sowing and reaping applies to everything. So I remember when that tree would grow and it would get the fruit, and we would eat the fruit. Here's what I learned very quickly. This is good news, friend. What I learned is that it took one seed in the ground to produce that one tree. But that one tree did not produce one singular piece of fruit. That one seed produced one tree that produced many fruit. So many fruit that some of the fruit would rot because my family could not eat it all. Now, wisdom down the road tells me we should have bagged some of that fruit and we should have given it to our neighbors. But it would produce the fruit, and then that fruit, each singular fruit, would produce many seeds. There was not enough land where I lived 
to be able to handle the amount of trees that could be produced on the seeds that were inside of the fruit that hung on the singular tree that had come from a singular seed that was planted by somebody else. That one piece of that one seed produced one, one tree that produces so many fruit that we were fine to eat, that produces so many seeds on the inside of that, that we could have planted on acres and acres and acres and acres, that would have produced acres worth of trees, that would have produced acres worth of fruit, that would have produced acres worth of seeds that we could have kept planting and planting and planting. Friend, you have to understand, the Bible says in the New Testament, for God gives seed to the sower, and when you sow Sow your seed, God takes care of it, and it will produce something that will cause you to never run out. There was so much seed inside of the fruit that we could not even handle what was on the inside. Do you understand that the Bible calls you a son and a daughter of God? It says that you were created in his image. So God has planted all of the seeds of his image, all of the seeds of his kingdom on the inside of you. And the question is, what are you doing with the seeds that God has given you? Because if you sow those seeds, God will expand those seeds. If you sow those seeds, God God will multiply those seeds. If you sow those seeds, you will have more than enough in store. More than enough. I mean, what would have, what would have happened if we just started selling some seeds? What if we would have got inside of the fruit and we would have taken the seeds out of the fruit and we would have just started selling packages of seeds? What could have happened if I would have bought Landmark, my family would have bought land, and we said, you know, we're just going to plant all of these seeds and watch the fruit that comes with it, and then when, the, when it comes to uh, full uh, fruition, when it comes and I can see it, then I can take it and I can sell some of that fruit, but I could still eat the fruit that's left over. What would happen if you would realize that you actually have more than enough? Because many of us, we have backed down, and all of a sudden, all we're doing is we're, we're no longer looking at the seed. We're just counting the number of fruit. And we don't realize that some of the fruit is for eating, but some of the fruit is for sowing. Because there's seeds on the inside of the fruit. And instead of discarding the seed or eating the seed, we should sow the seed. I learned a lesson last year. You ready for this lesson? This is the lesson that I learned. You guys can bring the table out here. Here's a lesson that I learned. Number one, I learned that there's more than enough. That's what I learned. That's what I've been teaching you for the last few minutes. Number two, I learned this that you cannot give what you do not have. You cannot give what you do not have. If you don't have it, you cannot give it. You don't have it. How could you physically give something that you do not have? If I looked at somebody and said, I need you right now to give a Ford F-150, and you're like, I literally do not have a Ford F-150. <laughs> you couldn't give it. Today, I want you to give X, Y, or Z. And you're like, I, I do not have that in my possession anywhere. You may not be able to give what you do not have, but you could give 
all that you have. I think you missed it. You cannot give what you do not have, but you could give all that you have. It's a choice to what measure we give. It's a choice. And to the measure we give, it will be measured back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The Bible says it'll be returned to you. Many of times have Amber and I heard from the Lord to give all we had. There have been times that that number has been very small. I've had $20 and the Lord said, you give all that you have. Not because some preacher told me to, because I heard the Spirit say, do it. And the number has grown over the years on what that could look like. And I had a choice in that moment. Do I obey and enter in to a place where I have followed the instruction of the Lord and received the blessing, or do I delay what he has on the other side? Because his direction comes with a blessing, his instruction, but I have to follow to receive the blessing. If I don't have it, I cannot give it. You understand that? Hey, Jamie, I need you to give a roll of paper towels. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have it. Jamie, I, I need you to give me a book. I don't, I don't have it. Jamie, I need you to give me a black tablecloth. Oh, well, it looks like I have that. The problem is if you're not careful, you'll look and you'll realize, well, it looks like I only have a black tablecloth and a table. And if you take that from me, God, I won't have much left. And we live in a constant place of scarcity and despair, not remembering the promise of the Father. But what if this was in our possession? Because, you know, I actually believe this is what's in our possession most of the time. And when you enter into a life of faith and in a life of generosity and to a life of giving, God starts with the principle of returning, the principle of the tithe. That's what he starts with. And his word tells us a tenth. That's the tithe, a tenth. So when we look at the table, in Jesus' name, you better get ready. We look at the table, the Lord says, I've provided all that you need, everything. I've provided you a book that you could learn. I've provided you the good book, the Bible. That's the most important. But uh, there's so much more material today that you could read from and you could learn so much. I've provided you what you need to get the knowledge that you want. i provided you with some candles so you can have light because all of us need a little light. I've provided you the liquid, the water that you need to quench your thirst. 
God's a good God. He provided everything that you need. I've provided you places to store memories. You know, of your favorite people. Don't put somebody in here you don't like. Yeah, I've provided you a place for memories. I've provided you the tissue that you need to clean up a mess. All of it. I've given you everything you need. He even provides other types of tissue to clean up messes, if you know what I mean. (laughs) I've provided you the cup to drink from. I've provided you the wine and the bread. And not only that, I've provided you the cup. You realize, read the word because God's given you everything that you need. Every gift, every talent. You know, if those candles are too small and you move up in life, I've provided you bigger light. All of it. Huh. Lord, what is this that you provided me? Red hot roasters. I don't know what they are, but thank you, Lord. You provided it. <laughs> Lord, you know me so well. <clears throat> Travis, Mark, and everybody. You know me so well. You provided me some soda that's zero calorie so I could stay healthy. Thank you, Lord. And what God says is this. Watch this, friend. He says, I've given you all of it and to enter in to a life of faith in your finances and to enter into the life of blessing and multiplication and more than enough. The first place it starts is, Hey, I need you just to return a tenth of that to me. So I provided all the good books, but will you give me one? I provided all of the water that you needed. Can you just give me one? I I provided the light that you needed, and I provided some place for you to store things so they won't go bad. But out of the 10 that I gave you, would you give me one? I provided you the paper to clean up the mess and the paper for other purposes. But out of all of that, could you give me one? I'm just saying that's where it starts. One, one, just one, one. Will you start there? Will you enter in to a life of extraordinary, unbelievable, outrageous blessing? Would you just give me one? I know that you love your great zero calorie soda, but will you just give me one? Out of all the things that I've given you, will you just give me one? I know you don't even understand some of the things I've given you. (laughs) They don't even make any sense in this season. (laughs) You've been asking for the wisdom and you still can't figure it out. But would you just give me one? I know you get hungry, and the fat kid on the inside always wins. But would you share one Twinkie with me, Jamie? 
just one. Because I gave you 10. Because I gave you 10. Would you share one? Huh. One. One. You know, all of the memories, all of the things, would you just release? Would you just give me one? And all of a sudden, friend, you're looking at your table and you're looking at the table of God and what you realize is God took one and his table looks pretty empty, doesn't it? But God left you with a full table of more than enough. He left you with everything that you need to face every situation that you have, that you would never run out of anything that you needed to get through every trial and every tribulation and every circumstance and everything that would come your way. God looked at you and said, would you just give me one? And then we move into the New Testament and we realize that God is calling us and we look at our table, but some of us, when we look at our table, and we're going, oh my gosh, this is all that I have. And God's over here and we've given him the one, we've given him the 10%. We've just returned the little that he asked us to return. And then God starts speaking to us and he's saying, now will you take a step of faith and will you go further with me? Will you come with me on a journey of, a, of an outrageous life, this journey of generosity, where you trust me more than you've ever trusted me before? Son, I know that you cannot see it and you don't know it, but I'm telling you that if you will follow daddy into here, there are things that I will reveal to you and things that I will give you and blessings that will come your way, but you have to follow me and follow the instruction. And God will call us, and many of us, this is what we do. We go, God, you're calling me to a deeper life. Oh, man. Oh, Lord. God, I don't know what you see. But from this angle, there's not much left. And we try to hide, and we try to come back. We, we try to just look at what we have, and we're like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? How is he going to make a way? And we're looking, and the entire time our table is full because he initially only asked us for one. And we're looking at his table, and we're going, okay, God, but I know that you're asking me to go on this journey, but what happens if I were to move things from that table to this table. What would happen, God, if I were to go on this journey with you? You know, I might run out. There might not be enough food in the fridge. God, have you watched the news? Have you seen what they're saying? Have you seen what's coming to our nation? Have you seen my sales lately? Have you seen how they're laying people off lately? Have you watched what's going on, God? I don't think you know. And in the toughest time, you're asking me to go on this journey with you? God, you got to be crazy. Why didn't you ask me at some other point in my life? It would have been so much easier then. And God's looking and said, will you go with me? And then all of a sudden you go and you start looking. And what you realize is when you start inspecting that God in all of his goodness just gave you more than enough. Because he asked for some of this. But there's the overflow sitting over here. 
There's always more than enough on my table. And then I realized that if I say, God, you know what? I'm going to go a little further, and you can have another one of those, and you can have another one of these, and you can have another one of these. And God, you know, if, I, if, I'm, really, if I'm really honest about it, I could probably go on this journey with you. And God, you can have this, and you can have that. God, you can have whatever it is uh, that you're calling to a point. You know, God, I'll, I'll take a little bit of the something that I don't understand. But you know what, God? I really love you. I don't get this anyways, you know. I just don't get it. God, I don't. so easy to give God the things that we don't value. Some of you value your opinion way too much, so you won't give it to him. Huh. Oh, yeah, you know, God, it's just me. It's just me. You know, Lord. I got a lot of cups, but you could, you could have those too. But God's looking at you and he's going, there's some things that you've been hiding. There's some things you've got a stranglehold on. There's some things you've been trying to keep on your side. And you're going, God, I, I got enough light. But if you take away my light, then I'm in darkness. And God's going, don't you trust me that I am the light of the world? Don't you trust me? Hey, hey, I can have a little bit of this. And finally, you'll come to a breaking place in your life where you'll just go, you know what? There's something that God has for me. And even though I can't see it, and even though I don't understand it, and even though I don't know the whole instructions, and I don't know what I will face and what I will walk through, and I don't know the hell that will come to me, I don't know how people will talk about me, will talk behind me, I don't know how it will all work out. I don't know what's going to happen in my body. I don't know what's going to happen in my relationships. I don't know what's going to happen in my finances. I really don't know. What I do know is that one day they'll put me six feet under. One day it'll go from ash to ash. One day if I believe in the Father, I'll spend eternity with him where there's streets of gold and then there's pearly gates, there's mansions, there's more than enough food. One day I'll get there. But until I get there, I have a responsibility here to trust God and do what he says and walk the process. And I'm just tired of doing it my way. And the whole time God's standing over here going, I asked for one, but now I'm asking you to go further. I'm asking asking you to trust me like you've never trusted me before. I'm asking you to go to a place in your faith that you've never been before. And all the while, you tried to hide your table from me, but I'm God Almighty, and I see everything. I'm God Almighty. I know exactly what's going on. I know the deep, dark places of your life. I know the best places of your life. I am your Heavenly Father. I know, And I'm just calling you to just surrender it all to me. And you'll find a place in your life where you'll go, you know what, God, your way is better better than my way. And I know you asked me for one, and then you asked me for two, but God, you can have three. God, I'm just moving in a place of faith. God, you can, and you'll do this for a while, and all of a sudden, it'll hit you like a ton of bricks. All of a sudden, life will come at you. And I hope it doesn't, but you'll get to a place where you say, you know what, God, I'm tired. I don't want to do it my way. God, your way is so much better. You've been calling me to do something, and I've been living on the minimum, but maybe I need to move into the maximum. Maybe I need to realize I can't give what I don't have, but I can give all that I have. Come here, DJ. I need your help, baby. I can't do this by myself. And sometimes you'll, you'll be in a place. Come on, man. You'll be in a place where you just say, I'm done. I'm done. You know what, God? I'm done. I'm done. I'm tired of living on some minimums. I'm tired of living in scarcity. I'm tired of living in lack. I'm tired of living where I don't believe. I'm tired. You know, you know what true hell is? It's called unbelief. 
I'm tired of living in unbelief. I'm not going to live like that anymore. And you get to a place. Say, God, come on. And in the process, all of a sudden, it, 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 you start to realize that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the water, and he created the light, and he created the darkness, and he created the tree, and he created the seed, and he created the fruit, and he created the animals. And somewhere along the line, he created you. And the Bible says he created you in his image. And somewhere along the line, he gave you giftings, and he gave you talents. He gave you everything that you you need do you realize that everything you have in your possession came from him anyways and all he's saying is I gave it to you in the first place I gave you the opportunity in the first place I'm just asking you to come over to the table that you think is yours and bring it over to my table I'm just asking you all of this stuff in the beginning it just came from my table and what you can't see is that there's ten offices back there that that have tables full of things. My kingdom never runs out. I don't need any of this anyways because I created it. I'm self-sufficient. I am God. I am the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the alpha and the omega, the author and the finisher of your faith. I am God and I have it all and there's nothing on your table that I actually need. I'm just wondering, would you believe enough in me that I I will provide for you during thick and thin. I will provide for you during feast or famine. I will provide for you when there is no way in the natural. Do you believe me? That's all he's asking is do you believe me? Watch this. Don't you dare sit down. Watch this. And we're standing here and we're looking at our table. And we're going, God, looks pretty full over there. When I'm looking around, I don't see anything. God, where's the provision? God, where's the miracle? God, where's the food? And the whole time, the Bible calls us a friend of God, calls us an adopted son and daughter of God. And the good news is you have a savior. I says, what are you doing? Why are you standing at that empty table? Why don't you come over to my table? Why don't you come to the table that's more than enough? Why don't you come to the one where it's overflowing, where there's more than you'll ever need? And this is what we realize, baby. This is what we realize is the entire time it was never our table. It was always his table. He just gave us the table, and he allowed us to live and breathe and move. He allowed us to do everything that we do, and we ate, and we were rich, and we were blessed, and we were full, and we were healthy, and it all came from the table of God. It never came from your table. You never actually produced it. The healing never came from you. The money never came from you. The knowledge never came from you. It all came from him anyways. Fine, God. Here. Have your table back. 
Because when I live over there in opposition, in lack, in desperation, it's miserable over there. God, you can have your table and your cake and eat it too. Maybe not the cake my wife's going to get today because it's her birthday. Happy birthday. I love you. <laughs> Happy birthday. No, God, you can have that cake too. God, you can have You know what? God, you can have it. You can have it. Oh, you don't know? Oh, you don't know? You don't know? I opened up the mailbox and these were in there. These Alexander McQueen designer tennis shoes from somebody. They just sent them as a gift. For the first two weeks I wore those, man, I was so proud. I was more proud because my wife didn't have a pair and I one-upped her, as Pastor Marion would do. <laughs> That's one for me, baby. Look at my designer tennis shoes. They look good, don't they? And I wore those things with pride, man. And literally God, two weeks in, says, you gonna give me your shoes? Definitely, I got a closet full of them. When I get home, you can have them. No, 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 no. Will you give me your shoes? The ones that are on your feet. God, what do you mean? Jamie, you're forgetting. That blessing came from me. Stop focusing on it. Stop taking pride in the thing and start taking pride in me because I'm the one that sent it to you anyways. Friend, the breath in your lungs is from the Heavenly Father. The blood in your veins is from the Heavenly Father. Everything you accomplish is from the Heavenly Father. Your life is because of the Heavenly Father. And today there's only one question that he's asking you, and it's this. How much will you give? What will you release? What is it? Are you willing to say, God, you can have my table. God, you can have my light. God, you can can have my knowledge. God, you can have my provision. God, you can have my drink. God, you can have whatever you want. You can have the shoes on my feet, the clothes on my back. Don't worry, I won't take those off up here. That's inappropriate. God, you can have everything. You can have it all. You can have it all. Why? Because it's yours anyways. It's yours anyways. It's yours anyways. You can have it all. You know what happens when you enter into that type of faith? You get rest. Because faith is actually spelled R-E-S-T. Faith. Faith. You know how I learned these lessons? I went through trials. Everybody knows the good parts of the story. Everybody knows that, oh, Jamie and Amber, we're in $125,000 in debt. Everybody in the room knows that we went from giving a little bit of money, and then we moved up, and then we over doubled our giving, and then we over doubled our giving again, and then we, we increased our giving. I don't know what it was the following year. It wasn't quite double. It might have been 80%. Everybody knows that during that process that God supernaturally re released us from the burden of debt. And you know what I thought? I thought, oh, man, because of of our giving because we just keep giving oh it's always up and to the right it's daisies and roses can I tell you you do reap what you sow
But if you don't follow the instructions and he doesn't have your heart, you can enter into a waiting season. And last year, I struggled more than I've ever struggled before because some of the financial piece of it started to dip. And I'm looking at God and I'm going, what is happening? We're sowing like we've never sown before. Percentage-wise, we sowed last year more than we've ever given before, dollar for dollar, percentage-wise. But our income dropped nearly 40%. You know what I realized? Is that God didn't care about my money. He wanted my heart. Don't slow down the giving, Jamie. Because if you slow it down, then you, you, you turn off the spigot. But I might slow down my releasing of the blessing to you until I get your heart. Because scarcity ran deep in my soul, and I fight it every day. But what I realize is if God shuts one source down, he already has 10 more prepared. He already has 10 more prepared. So I don't know what it is for you. Did our bishop leave? Is he in here? He's coming back? Good. Go into your prayer closet, baby. Receive everything that you need. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Mark, I know you're next, but I, I warned you that something else might ha happen. Where are you going? No. 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 God spared you to bless you. God spared you to increase you. God spared you because there's other people that need to hear about the good news of the kingdom. He spared you because he knew you would use your voice for that reason and that purpose. And I just had you come hang out with me and give everything to God because I know that you've already done it, but you're in conversations about doing it. And I just wanted you to feel what it felt like to do it. I wanted you to symbolically do it with me because what God is doing in this process, DJ, is as you move more over to here, you begin to get closer to him. And then not only do you have access to the table of things that you had in the beginning, then God starts to take you into the secret place. Then God starts to elevate you. And all of a sudden you start to see all of the other tables that he has. All of a sudden you realize, wow, God, you got a table over here that you have more living water on. All of a sudden, God, you've got a table over here where you're willing to communicate with me at all times. God, you've got a table over here that has more instruction, has more wisdom and revelation than I've ever had before. God, as I move everything into your hands, all of a sudden I'm elevated into a new place in my faith and I can go higher than I've ever been before. But what it takes is you releasing everything in your possession that you have now and saying, God, you can have all of it. So the question is, and I need you to run with this, the question is, is will you release what's on your table and will you put it on the table of God? Will you give him the opinion? Will you give him the relationship? Will you give him the money? Will you give him everything that's in your possession, the clothes and the cars and the houses? Will you give him everything, the job and the career and the business? Will you give it to him? Will you say, God, 
God, if you want it, then you can have it. Today, church, I've come to prophetically speak into this house that if you will take your table and you will put it into the hands of God and say, God, I release it to you. It's not my table anyways. It's your table. In this year, in this calendar year, mark it on the calendar. God will supernaturally bless your household. He will supernaturally overpour into your possession more than enough, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will it be put back into your lap. So what is it that you will give?